This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey, it's Josh here, and I just want to give you a heads up. Um, You're about to hear a fantastic conversation with the writer and director of The Father, Florian Zeller. Uh, since we recorded this interview uh, a week or two ago, The Father uh, and Florian have been nominated for numerous Oscars. Best performance by an actor in a leading role for Anthony Hopkins. Best performance by an actress in a supporting role for Olivia Colman. Best adapted screenplay for Florian and Christopher Hampton. Best achievement in film editing. Best achievement in production design. And best motion picture of the year. All richly deserved. Uh, and a heads up to anybody who's considering coming on the show in the future. This is not the first time this has happened. So if you want that movies that made me bump, definitely you want to come on our show. Uh, it usually works out for our guests. This is The Movies That Made Me with your hosts, Josh Olson and Joe Dante. Let's not talk about depressing things. Let's talk about cheerful things like the father. Um, <laughs> uh, no, thank, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. I'm, I'm sure are we like in the middle of hundreds of uh, Zoom interviews the last few weeks or? BTL. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, we, 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 we pride ourselves on not asking you the same questions and not being the same conversation. So, um, and it's a pleasure uh, to speak with you. Thank you for your invitation. But congratulations. Yes. And congratulations. Right. The film. It's, it's hard to believe it's your first movie. Thank you. It's, it's, um, I don't want to, cause we don't talk about people's work. We, 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 uh, yeah. we object to that terribly, but, but I do want to ask just as a writer, I was fascinated. So you, you, what was it like? directing a script that someone had adapted from your own play was that <laughs> no it was not that strange because um i i did the adaptation with christopher and in a way you know i did the adaptation and then he translated the adaptation so oh, okay it, it was not filming something that was adapted without me uh right, right. I, I, it would have it, no it would have been too 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 strange <laughs> <laughs> I sort of assumed that was the case, but I thought, what if, what if, um, that would be kind of odd. But, but as, uh, as such a, as such a successful playwright, did you find yourself, uh, yearning to do movies? Uh, did you, was that something that was a goal somewhere down the line? No, I've been dreaming of making a film for years, but I was waiting for the, the right conviction. You know, actually I was not dreaming about making a film but I was dreaming about making that film. I mean, I knew that it was really the story I wanted to tell. And, and so it took me years to make it happen. Um, so it was a, a real and a profound dream to make that film. Yeah. Uh, well, it's, it's an amazing film. We're, um, uh, we should probably tell people. <laughs> Sorry, we're, we're talking to Florian Zeller, the, uh, the writer and oh, director figure of, it out sooner of The Father. That's true. That's true. But um, uh, which is just, it's an absolutely incredible film. And it's funny, we had Darius Martyr on a couple of weeks ago who said he had done a wonderful panel with you and uh, spoke very highly of you. 
I thought sort of two of my favorite movies this year are in genre in a genre that I don't normally like. Um, and uh, I think the one thing you both have in common is you've, you've sort of transcended the affliction genre um, and made very, very real, very pure films that um, somehow just, just get beyond that. And uh, uh, it certainly helps to have an amazing cast, but um, it's, it's a beautiful film. Uh, my wife and I were reduced to puddles by the end of it. And yet somehow, I was saying to Joe before, it's also somehow very life affirming. Um, but uh, we, won't, we won't say more. If you have not seen The Father, please, please do. It's, it's an incredible movie. Uh, but yeah, we wanted to talk to you. It's just, it's one of those things, you know, the great thing about doing this show is we see a film that, that we like and we go, let's, let's go get the person who made that and find out what makes them tick cinematically. And uh, yeah. I was very eager to talk to you about the, um, uh, the movies that have inspired you along the way. With pleasure. So I'm, how do we, how do we do that? How do we hey, start? Start, just talk. Just start with one and we'll, we'll <laughs> talk about it with you. <laughs> it's, I think that because the show is, is the movies that made us i think that's yeah if your question would be what are the movies that made you i think that my first instinctive answer would be to to quote uh rain man uh, as a first movie which is quite surprising oh. even for myself but um because i think this movie had a strong impact on me not as a filmmaker but uh, as a human being in a way, you know, I remember when I watched that film, I was something like nine. And I guess it's the first time I understood the power that movie could have on your personal life. Um, at that time, I was living in France and in my family, I had like a, a stepbrother. He was older than I was and he was different from the others. Um, but no one explained to me what was going on. So I didn't, I, I was not understanding my own life. I was not understanding what was, what was going on in my own family. And I just remember that I have this anxiety not to understand. And then I don't know how, maybe by accident, I watched a Rain Man. And suddenly I understood my own life through the film. You know, oh, wow. I understand that this character, Tom Cruise, did that journey to understand his own brother what, he, what, that, what it does mean to be different. And, and suddenly it was a way to, for that fear and for that anxiety to disappear. And uh, now I feel that it was very important in my own journey because I think that art in general, not only movies, but art is done for that precisely. Yeah. To make you understand your own life in a different way or under a different light. And to be... Um, somehow different after watching a film and in a way to have more liberty, uh, meaning less fear. Right. And uh, so that's the reason why I, I could say that uh, Ren, um, Renman uh, made me in a way. And then started that process of being obsessed with Tom Cruise <laughs> and the, the, uh, the US as well. Oh, really? Okay. And also on Zimmer as a musician. And for me, the, the, those three elements were really connected and gave me the idea of the, the scale of what life could be. And I become to, to be, I started to be obsessed by the idea of traveling through that country, you know, with wide skies, with handsomest music. And, uh, and, and, you know, I'm French, as you can hear. 
my English is not perfect. And I made the decision to make a film in English, uh, despite uh, that situation. And it's in a way, it's probably connected, you know, with this, this obsession of your country, your language. And uh, yeah, it's connected, everything. So this is my first answer. So interesting. Have, have, you, have you done that now? Have you made the drive across uh, the US or? Yeah, kind of. I would say mainly through cinema, you know? Okay. <laughs> okay. Because it's a way to travel and to yeah. discover, um, you know, huge landscape. And that gave you the, the feeling that life is uh, bigger than yourself, you know, right. wide. Uh, but yes, uh, in real life, I did the, the drive. You did? <laughs> Yes. I, it's a lot of boring parts though right in the drive it's uh <laughs> yeah but i did it with uh some music so it helps oh, excellent, excellent. It, make, it, it give you the the impression to be in your own movie so it's uh right oh, that's fantastic yeah that's it's um uh, it's funny yeah there's something there's something very compelling about that uh um i guess it's because is it just because we're so large and so diverse that you just sort of I don't know. It, it is a fascinating road trip. I've made it a couple of times through different routes. And, yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, uh, that's wonderful. Um, I love that because, uh, yeah, that really at the end is is what we're trying to sort of get to. It's 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 great that that, of course, ends up influencing your desire to get into film and, and I'm sure to be a playwright. But but the fact that, um, yeah, it helped kind of clarify your own life. And I think yeah. that's that's. Um, and thanks to that film, also, I started that process of um, having strong admiration for, for one actor, for example. And Tom Cruise was one of them. Uh, I really loved this actor when I was uh, eight, nine, and, and then throughout, actually, uh, the whole teenager time. And um, yeah, it was, it was because to me, the writing process is really connecting, connected to, to the admiration process. And to the fact to love and to admire an actor, for me, is really connected to the, to the writing. And I think that I have always written things, mainly plays, with a specific actor in mind. So, and to admire actors, yeah, it's part of my desire to write things. Right. When when you did the um, when you did the adaptation for the film, because obviously the play was originally produced in French, um, yes. uh, were you thinking of Anthony Hopkins, or was that already? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Actually, this is the reason why I made the decision to do that film in English, because I really wanted to do it with Anthony Hopkins, and that's the reason why the main character's name is Anthony. It was <laughs> a way at this stage to 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 make this. Uh, slightly unrealistic idea a bit more realistic at least in my mind and, um, and i remember when i was speaking with my friends about this idea people were kindly laughing at me because you know he's sir anthony hopkins and it was my first feature film but i was like you know un until someone comes and proves you that it is not possible it means that potentially it is <laughs> right and, <laughs> and most of the time you know we are the ones who closed the door about what is possible and what is not possible. And this time I really wanted not to close the door and to follow my instinct and my desire because without desire, you, can, you can't do anything. And um, it happened. So, yeah. <laughs> but it's true that I, I really had him in mind. And uh, that's why I'm so happy and grateful that I had this opportunity, you know, to, 
to do exactly the film that you had in mind. And it's also thanks to him because he is so generous and humble. He really allowed me to do exactly the film I, I had in mind. I mean, frame after frame is what I wanted to do. And I'm, I'm aware that it's not uh, something that should be taken for granted, you know, when you are going through a film. You never know. And uh, he, he left me the room to do it. So it was a chance. Have you ever seen the movie he directed? Sorry? Have you ever seen the movie he directed? No, I haven't, I have to say. You should see it. It's, it's, uh, I, it, it sort of came and went with nobody paying much attention, but I, 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 I quite like it, and I think it's a very revealing film. Uh, and, and very fluid cinematically. Uh, it's, it's really worth seeing. I, I think you learn a lot about it. Yeah, I, I would love to watch it. Um, several people told me that. Um, but he's, he's a real artist, if it means anything. Meaning that he's, he's not only an actor, he's a musician, he's a painter, he's someone who is looking, looking for something. He doesn't know exactly what he's looking for, and it does not matter you know, what you're looking for. It's just right. someone who is able to put himself at risk anytime. You know, for example, for the father, he's 83, and I didn't come to him to ask him to do what he's known for, but to explore another territory, a more emotional territory. And I'm really, I think he's really brave because yeah, he is still in a position. I mean, he's still this kind of artist again, putting himself at risk. And so I can imagine that this film, his film, uh, is really uh, exciting to watch. Uh, I've never seen it either. I will check it out. Um, well, what's, what's next? Um, I, I would say that maybe when I was young, also uh, this film from uh, by Kieslowski called the uh, in French is La Double Vie de Véronique, the Double Life of Véronique. Sure. Uh, of course, Kieslowski, Kieslowski is is uh, from Polonia, uh, but I think this is the first film he made in French, and it it had a strong impact on me as well, because it was the very first time I understood thanks to him thanks to that film, let's say the mystery behind images, you know, mm. because the way he shot every scenes, the reality you see through his film is not the reality you're watching on screen. You see what I mean? You, it's right, it's just, not an objective reality, yeah. It's not an objective uh, reality, but it's not only about creating a subjective journey. It's more about trying to introduce to you, trying to make you experience the idea that there, there is something behind what you can see. And he uses the, 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 the cinematic language to, to do so, you know, with uh, some colors, some, some lens, that uh, there is al always like a distortion of the reality. Mm -hmm. And it really introduced me to this idea that uh, you have to open your eyes, you know, to, to what is real and what is behind the reality. And I really love, I don't know if you're familiar with this film. Yeah. yeah. Yes, it was released here. Yep. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it had a, a strong impact on me. And I think that this is when I started to understand that uh, uh, films were really pieces of art because I was, of course, it's obvious, but I was young and, and I was more connected to literature, to books, to novels. And through that film, I, I started to understand that um, films were 
strong media medium to to question reality and of course i think it had a strong impact on my on my writing after that because everything that i have done is about uh questioning reality what is real what is not real and to play with that uh doubting process uh even though what he has done in that film has nothing to do with what i'm trying to do with my own filmmaking uh because for example in the father everything is shot it's a very realistic uh uh film in a way i mean every because it's a the father is a subjective journey as well and the temptation could have been to shoot everything and to use the camera to make you understand that this is not real this is probably the dream maybe this is his own distortion of the reality but what i really wanted to do is to film everything oh. as if it was reality right so that when you have a, a contradiction between two scenes you really have to as a viewer to deal with that contradiction and to find a path to the meaning and it brings me to that other films that i wanted to mention uh, which is a uh, mulhern drive by david lynch because um uh, drive to me it's one of the of my greatest uh, film ever and what i really loved when i first watched that film is to discover this kind of narrative you know the fact that the narrative is not completely coherent meaning that there is something that is missing on purpose in the narrative and and what it creates for the audience is something that was really uh that I was really fascinating by it is the fact that you have to be in an active position as you uh, as a viewer you cannot just sit and watch the story because it doesn't work and so it's the, the for the very first time i watched a, a movie that was like a puzzle and you have to play with all the pieces of the puzzle to try to make it work to look for the meaning otherwise it means nothing and i really as a viewer i really i remember i really loved experiencing this position when you have to be active yeah to use your brain you have to use your heart to do something with all those pieces for that puzzle to mean something and i really love that also because it's not this kind of movie who tells you what you have to think or what you have to feel because to me movies are is not a place for answers it's a place for questions and it was obvious you know because everyone comes to a room i mean everyone comes to a theater with his own person personality experience story uh, sensibility and so we are as a viewer we are the one who could uh, bring an answer but i think that's great when the filmmaker is not trying to to tell you what to think and and because that piece was always missing in the puzzle it it, it leaves room for the audience to do yeah. the job you know and i profoundly believe that the audience is intelligent and i think david lynch thinks the same thanks to that movie you know to to take for for granted that the audience is intelligent and so you don't have to make it too easy for them you have to make them work and to be part of the narrative and i think that this film for those reasons had a strong strong uh, uh, impact on me not only for the, for the father but also for everything that i have written including my plays you know and um to to put the audience in this unique position not a passive position but an active right. one
Yeah. It is an endlessly rewatchable movie. I, I find uh, it's I I've I've worked out a lot of it. I've worked a lot to my own satisfaction. I've worked out a lot of the puzzle. I haven't worked out all the puzzle, but um, it, <laughs> I understand it makes sense to me. Yeah. Uh, and it's but there's still it doesn't, I don't believe movies give up their mysteries on the first viewing. And uh, and if they're really worth reviewing, uh, I, I think there's a lot more under the surface that comes out the next time you see it and the time after that. Yeah. And, and that movie, yeah. I could just, if it was on right now, I could just sit back and watch it. No matter where, at what point it started, didn't matter. Me too. <laughs> and it's a great pleasure to, not only to watch films, but to rewatch film. Mm-hmm. It's not the same journey. And I think it's, it's great when, when films are rich enough, in a way, to allow you to go and to come back to it several times and to discover more and more and to question more and more what you, what you feel, what you see, what you understand. Yeah. Yeah. I got what choice. Um, yeah. It's such a fantastic film. I, I got very lucky early on sort of making that discovery because uh, when I was a kid, um, my father and I would go to movies and if one movie was sold out, you just go to another. And if it had started 45 minutes ago, you just walk in and then stay and watch the beginning. And it was an early introduction into the notion that there's more going on than what's just on the surface. Because when you yeah. watch the beginning of a movie whose end you know, you, you start to see the, the, the thought process, you start to see the plan, you start to see the fact that these are conscious decisions. And you know, when you're seven years old, this is a revelation, you know? Cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I love that. I'm, I'm way behind both of you guys on my Holland Drive. I, I'm still at the point where it sort of, it makes emotional sense to me and almost nothing else. But uh, yeah, I need to go back and again. <laughs> and also, it, it tells something about the la- the cinematic language. It's really connected to to the dream language. I don't know how to say that in English, but it yeah. works as our dreams work. Yeah. and it, it's a great. It's it, it's like it it opens all the possibilities of the narr- the narrative. You know, you can uh, thanks to that film, you understand that you can tell so many stories so many stories could become meaningful and coherent just by putting them together. And it's also, uh, uh, it learns a lot about what is editing, you know, because mm-hmm. you have se- several images, several pictures, several stories, and just the fact to put them together, they are meaning something else and something new and something different. So I think it te- it's about cinema, of course, Milohandra, but it tells a lot about how to tell a story and how every image Every frame affects every other frames and every o- other I- images. And to think it started as a TV pilot, uh, yeah, know, I heard that. he couldn't sell. And uh, I- I'm sure that he had a long Twin Peaks like plan for how long it was going to go on. And or maybe he didn't. Maybe he uh, didn't. But, yeah. but when he was given <laughs> the choice to say, "Well, you know, we- we'll give you some money," I think it was Studio Canal said, "We'll give you some money, and you can shoot more footage and and finish, and we'll release it as a feature." Uh, then he just sort of ran with what he had created and I think extrapolated on it and came up with what we see, which I think is a, a remarkable movie, particularly given its origin. Yeah. Yeah, maybe it, it, maybe it wouldn't have been possible to make that movie with the intention of yeah, making, maybe that not. Movie. making that movie. It had to be made that way. <laughs> Yes, yes. No, that's so true. That's fascinating. Uh, great. Well, what's what's next, man? These are wonderful. Um, 
I would say maybe, uh, again, um, I don't want to come back to the father, but I was thinking, because it's my, it's my first feature film, I thought to myself, what are the movies that are important to you? Because, you know, when you start this kind of process, you're, you want to question your own references. And when you start thinking of adapting a play into a film, the first ideas you have or the first uh, advices you get is always to write new scenes outdoors. Right. Open it up. Open it up. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Because the idea was absolutely not to film a play. It's not challenging. And, but for that film, for the father, from the very beginning, I really wanted not to do so. Yeah. And to stay in this space in the apartment to, so that that space could become like a mental space and to yeah. use it as a cinematic way to explore this feeling of disorientation. So I questioned myself about what were the films that made uh, this kind of decision to stay in a single room, in a single space, without being too theatrical, because it was the, the challenge. And I thought, um, of uh, Rosemary's Baby by Polanski. Um, and I watched it again, preparing my film. And I was amazed to see how um, powerful it is. And, and also the fact that he, in a way, he uses the set as a character. And this is something that, that interests me a lot. You remember the story, we, we have few characters they are in this apartment and this apartment is a very old apartment because an old lady has been living there for years and now they are the newcomer in this apartment and they made the the new design of the apartment everything is white so we see the transformation uh, the metamorphose of that character it becomes a fresh new white apartment but despite this again you have something behind the image it's the fact that the the soul, in a way, of the set is still working on the characters. And, um, and I really, uh, I mean, the way he used the set as a character is something that had a, an, an influence on me uh, very, very uh, strong, especially to make the, the father. And I had also a bit the same kind of reflection about this French film called Amour, uh, by Anarchy, um, which is in a way um, the same. You have two characters in an apartment, and it's never theatrical, and it's always it's only due to the way he shoots, the decisions he made, talking about frames, and it's so cinematic without any element of the cinema. And uh, that's, uh, I mean, a tour de force, in my opinion. Oh, do you have an opinion on Rosemary's Baby? I... Me? <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's a perfect movie. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, it's amazing. And, and Joe, no, Joe thinks it's a perfect movie. And um, uh, yeah, and I can, I can see the straight line, in fact. Because um, uh, obviously they do go outside of the apartment sometimes. But, but the treatment yeah. of, of the location. Um, that would actually make a sort of weirdly great double feature with your film. Um, sort of movie, movie set in apartments. Because uh, you feel, you come to know, yeah, you're right. You come to know their living space in, in both films as almost a character of the film. 
Um, yeah. And and uh, yeah. Oh, that's 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 perfect. That makes perfect sense. I love that. Yeah, I mean, it gave me actually for making the father. It gave me the confidence watching that film that it was a good decision not yeah. to try to go outside just to make it feel more cinematic, right. but um, that it was a way to do cinema even in a single room if the set was used as a character. If right. it was the plan to use that restrained space as an element of the narrative itself. And for example, in The Father, it was exactly what I wanted to do because I made the, the decision to shoot in a studio precisely to be able to, to have this liberty to do whatever I wanted with the, with the set. You know, in the studio, you can remove a wall, change the proportion, the colors so easily. And I, you have probably noticed in The Father, at the beginning, we are in Anthony's apartment. And step by step, always in the background, there are some small changes or small metamorphoses on sets. And, uh, and, and you, you don't notice them very precisely. You can't tell exactly what happened, but you just right. have to think that something had happened. And so at the same time, you recognize the space. You know where you are and you recognize the way to travel into it because it's always the same way to travel in those corridors. But at the same time, you're not quite sure anymore that it's still the same space. And it was a way for me to use the set as if it was like a labyrinth. And you were forced to, to try to go through it a bit, less, a bit like we said about David Lynch. You have to, to make something of it and to try to, to make it work as a puzzle. And it was a way for me to, 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 to make the audience experience you know, what it could mean to, to lose your own bearings, including as a viewer. So it was a way to use the set as an element of the narrative. It was not about providing just the background. Right, right. And I think that this is, this is what I, I took from uh, Rosemary's Baby. The idea that the set is not the background, is an element of the story. I, it's interesting. Before, before we jump on to the next one, what, did, did, anybody, um, did anybody give you any pressure at all during the development of this to actually do that, to open the thing up, or was that mostly your, your sort of self-imposed? No, no one told me that, but I knew that if I asked, oh, beautiful. they would have told me that. Ah. <laughs> uh, no, because it's the instinctive answer. Yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, because no one, want, no one wants to film a play. And everyone is afraid of having uh, something too stagey. And uh, it's the danger, of course, because the play is a lot about dialogues. And the dialogues are what could be very frightening for, for a film. I mean, it could be, it could be a, a problem. So, no, but no one told me to do that. But um, That's great. So you were working with good people then. Yeah. <laughs> No, I was not asking questions. That's oh, okay. <laughs> That's yeah. Well, over here you don't uh, you don't ask questions. They just tell you. So it's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but you, you're right. What what I I started the process alone, you know, because I really wanted to 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 go to the direction that that was according to me the right directions. So, um, you know, I, I wrote the script by myself. I didn't ask anything to any producers because I didn't want to, to have to justify what was my intuitions. So I did it by myself. And then I started the process of finding people that would believe in it. That's great. Um, uh, well, it worked out. Uh, what's, what's next on your list? 
Um, so in my list, there's, uh, um, it's not the right order, but I, I see that uh, Interstellar by Nolan is uh, mentioned. Really? With yeah. Because I, 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 I would have picked a different Christopher Nolan film for you. Yeah, I can imagine you, you would have, which one? Uh, I would just in 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 that you do a, a beautiful job of making the mental condition of the lead character um, uh, an objective reality for the viewer. Uh, it, I, I couldn't help but think of Memento along the way, which is one of the other few films that that I feel like does that. Um, what it's what I really like is is yours doesn't, and this is not to knock Memento. I think Memento is an amazing film, but once you understand the um, the, the bit, when do you understand how Memento works? You can sort of anticipate. Whereas yeah. with your film, um, it takes a little while to figure out what's going on, and then it's perfectly disorienting throughout in in the right way. Yeah, I understand what you, why you mentioned uh, Memento. I think it's a great film as well, and I understand that there are more connection uh, mm. with Memento or Inception mm. with the father than with uh, Interstellar. But I do feel the same as you do talking about Memento. It's a brilliant idea and it works very well. Yeah. But when, when you get it, uh, it's done in a way. I mean. Yeah, that's, I'm trying not to say anything bad. I mean, I don't, it, this just sounds more judgmental than it is, but it's once you understand the gimmick. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Some of it's yeah, yeah. yeah. There is nothing like that in Interstellar. It's true. Right. What I love about that film is on Zimmer again. <laughs> So it's my, ah. it's my, my, the child is in me that is still uh, dreaming. No, it's also something else. It's the fact that I really respect and admire the way he makes us experience an idea. Meaning that you, you can, we, can, we, we could discuss about the relativity of time. Sorry for my English. It's just a concept, even though it's better than our French. <laughs> But, you know, relativity of time, we could discuss about it. It's a strange concept because we know it's reality, but it's, it's the opposite of our individual experience. Right. And I, I think it was so cinematic to make us experience that concept, what it means through the cinema. You remember when, I mean, with one scene, we understand exactly what it is, what it means. And so it's, it's, again, it's not only a story, it's an experience. And I think that movies are so much uh, powerful when they are not trying to just to tell you a story, but when they are trying to make you experience something, an emotion or disorientation, or to understand what it could mean when mm -hmm. someone tells you, you know, time is relative. There is a relativity of time. And thanks to that story, I think that this is something that is part of our sensitive experience, whereas it is not in real time because we can doubt of everything, but there is something that it's, it's difficult to doubt about the fact that time is relative you know, because we were young, we are not young anymore, and one day we will die. This is our experience. And then, so it's, it's difficult to to include this idea in our, in our experience. And this film achieved that. So I think it's, I think it's a masterpiece. Mm. Um, but I, it's true that personally, I feel more connected with this complex narrative uh, 
Uh, I mean, personally, I really love films that are using the complexity of the labyrinth to tell you a story. Right. And it's true that Memento is doing is doing it, and and also Inception is doing this. And I and really love these kind of movies. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There's a um, wonderful, uh, it's, it's, I wouldn't say it's obscure, but it's not as well known. Have you seen the movie Primer by Shane Carruth? No. I, I cannot recommend it for you highly enough. It's a, it's oh, a, really? time, it's a time travel film and uh, a very, very low budget and um, brilliantly written and designed and conceived. And it's one of those things that um, you'll, you'll be watching it five times with a notepad in front of you trying to... I, I love this kind of... I, you know, I'm here. I guess you should, you should, I'm not joking. You should track this film down. It's easy to find. It's called Primer. Tell me the title again. Primer. Primer. Okay. P-R-I-M-E-R. Shane Carruth. Um, it, I will. Definitely. It makes some people insane. It can, it can break your brain, but it's an amazing experience. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Uh, cool. What's next? Um, I, I said uh, Birdman. Uh, Bird, Birdman. Oh, Birdman. Oh, of, of course. Yeah, no, I'm starting to see certain, uh, yes, trends. Yeah, because <laughs> I, come, I come from theater. This is my, my life is theater. I've been, I've been in a theater for years and years, and I really love this mystery of live representation, live mm -hmm. performance. I mean, it's, I feel really connected to this. And because, you know, when you are in a theater on stage, uh, everything could happen anytime, you know? So you are always connected that everything is dangerous. Everything could happen. It could be the end of everything. And so you are connected to the fragility of your own uh, production, but the fragility of life itself. And what I love about theater is the fact that everything that you are doing, in a way, has to disappear after it's done. And it's the beauty of, of theater. You know, it's the opposite in a way. Uh, of the cinema, everything will disappear. And it's, to me, it's the beauty and the magic of theater. And in Ari 2, I think it really catches this fragility of life by catching the fragility of a production, by doing it in almost one take, because you are more than connected to the idea that everything could happen anytime, and it could destroy everything. And here, I think that it was, a, it it was genius to, to use the cinematic language to tell this, which is not the story, which is what is behind the story, to use the fact that it's just one take or kind of, to make you experience and feel what it means to me to be on stage with no at risk, I mean, to be at risk on stage with no second chance. You see what I mean? Yeah. And I think that coming from, from the stage, I really, yeah, I really admire that, that film. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it is a unique experience. Um, 
uh, and talk about opening up. I mean, the moment when they go out into Times Square, it just becomes <laughs> yeah. gigantic. Yeah. You know, it's uh, yeah, and it's such a, a beautiful and funny moment when he's yeah. naked. Yeah, right? yes, <laughs> so clever and funny at the same time. It's, yeah, it's, it's a real moment of cinema. Yeah, yeah, and um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's he's a wonderful director, and uh, and I know he's not. This is not his most. Uh, famous uh, i don't know a film but i maybe it's the one I, that is uh maybe it's the one i i prefer i mean i yeah it's it's my favorite of his uh, for sure it's funny i i've i've never done uh professionally theater never worked in but it's there's i still have nightmares every now and then and i this is a trivial moment but i i saw a production of a martin mcdonough play many years ago uh, the lieutenant of inishmore and at a key moment in the play a cat just has to walk across the stage and eat dinner and then turn around and walk off the stage. And, and I've had nightmares about that scene. <laughs> just thinking about what goes into putting on that production every day <laughs> and having to hope that that real cat will do exactly what it's supposed to do. And then just sort of extrapolating out from that what an absolute terrifying thing theater can be. <laughs> to, yeah, to I, I do understand what you're talking about. It, <laughs> it is a nightmare, but there is a beauty in it. Yeah. And uh, yeah. for example, when the, the very last day of the shooting of The Father, I experienced what it could mean to be out of this nightmare. Meaning that for the very first time, the job has been done. You see what I mean? It was, it was shot. So it was, yeah. it was not finished. But I knew that now I, I just had to go to the editing room and to do, do the film I want to do, but no accident could now happen. Right, and, right. Uh, it was like a, a profound relief. <laughs> sure. Like, yeah. I'm not on stage anymore. And uh, yeah, this is something that is beautiful. It's the opposite, but it's so beautiful about, about uh, cinema. It's the fact that uh, when it's done, it's here and it's yeah. solid. Yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> That's a great point. Uh, wonderful, uh, wonderful, cool. Well, what's what's next on your list? So on my list, the next one is the hours, um, the hours um, by uh, Daldry. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. Mainly, I would say it's been a long time since I haven't seen it again. But uh, maybe because of the way he uses the the music, I think it's it's a Philip Glass uh, music, very famous piano Philip Glass music. And there is something so beautifully done about yeah, using in a very obsessive way the same theme. And, um, and to me, because probably I'm a very obsessive person, uh, I really love being in a world that is really obsessive. And uh, I think that uh, Philip Glass music is done for obsessive person, and um, ah. <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, and also I remember that that film, The Hours, was for me. I think it was the first time uh, I came late. The first time I have discovered uh, Julianne Moore, mm. and uh, she's such a, one of the greatest actress. And uh, I remember was really profoundly moved by uh, that story, the way it was told fact that it was you remember three stories the way yeah. the liberty of the writing to you to have three stories 
you could uh, question the idea of to put the three stories together, but all the echoes that are creating between the stories, all the layers, I think it was a wonderful um, uh, way to tell us that when you are writing a story, you are completely free in a way to do what you feel right, even though suddenly it's traveling from the 19th century to the late 20th century, you know? And right. I, I have this feeling of profound liberty watching that film. Yeah, and again, um, uh, very, very interesting structure to that film. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I wonder how, in, in your work, are those sort of uh, interesting transitions? Do you, do you, do you start with an emotional connection to them or do you start with a kind of a thought process that goes, this should lead to that? Does that make sense? I mean, when I think about a film like The Hours or uh, some of these others. Um, do, I, do I start with an emotional process? I mean, yeah. Yes, I think always. Uh, it's it's um, most of the time when I'm writing something, I do not know what I'm writing. I do not know what I'm looking for. Uh, sometimes I just have an element, emotional element. And, I, and I'm trying to explore that emotion. Right. Sometimes it, it does something, like a story, like a play, like a, a script play. Sometimes it does nothing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's always about, it's like dreaming in a way. You know, when you dream, it's only at the end of the dream that you know what it was. Right. But because the journey of the dream, the coherence of the dream, is here only in the end. And most of the time when I'm writing, the coherence of what I'm writing become clear to me only in the end. Right. Yeah. 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 That's, that's it's such an interesting process because I was thinking like, clearly there's somebody inside the head who, who has all the answers. And uh, <laughs> um, if, if I could just access that person. Because <laughs> don't you find like when you're done, you realize that the thought you had was coherent, even though it didn't feel coherent. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. yeah sure. no, I like I love that process. Uh, great, great, great. What's uh, what do you have next for us? And I think the next one is "Shame" by uh, Steve McQueen. Oh, okay. Um, actually, this is a film that I have watched recently, so I can tell it, it made me. But um, just because we are talking about obsession, sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's. Uh, this film is one of my obsession, current obsession, uh, especially the, the first scene of the film. The, it's 10 minutes of the film. That I could watch these 10 minutes uh, 10 times without being bored. Uh, it's basically, it's just, we have music and we have a man in the subway in New York and he meets a woman, he looks at her and that's it. And for 10 minutes, and it's, it's, it's the most beautiful way to, to shoot and to tell about what is desire. And it's, uh, it's a lot about the music, it's a lot about watching someone, watching someone else being watched. And I think it's, uh, it's one of the most beautiful scenes I've seen recently, uh, just the beginning of Shame. Wow, okay, I, I, I've seen it once and I, I... I'm embarrassed to say I don't remember that scene. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, yeah. It, I, 
I can't tell you more than what I did because I think there is nothing more in it. It's just to describe without any dialogue. Yeah. What is the desire? Yeah. Desire of someone you do not know, the man watching a stranger, and trying to catch what is desire. Yeah. And I think it's it's really really remarkable. He's a really interesting filmmaker. Um, I don't know. He just did a thing for British TV called Little Axe. I don't know if you've seen I it. I haven't seen it yet. I heard that I mean, it was yeah, several different, several different lengths of story. Yeah. And like uh, its own TV series. Yeah. I think it was. Was it for British TV? I think it was for TV. Um, and but there, there is for the BBC, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And there, there's there's one that kind of makes me think about what you're talking about in a in a different way. It's it's just an, it's just one night at a house party. And I've never seen anyone do this. He just at a certain point, uh, people start dancing and he stays on them for three entire songs. And at yeah. a certain point, you start to feel the real sense that you have in a situation like that, if that makes any sense. It really feels like you're at a house party full of people just having a good time and dancing and smoking and drinking in a way that I've never seen captured on film, the kind of emotional reality of it. So. Yeah, I can understand what you mean. Yeah, no, he's he's uh, he's fantastic. Uh, cool, 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 cool. And I think that's it. That's it. Um, I think. Oh no, there's another one. Uh, I mentioned uh, called Manchester by the Sea. Sure. Uh, again. Um Really love that film. I mean, also because Lonegan is a playwright at the beginning. Right. So I was really interested in uh, playwrights turning into filmmakers. You mentioned uh, McDonald uh, just before, no? Yeah, yeah, Martin uh, McDonald, yes. Yeah. Martin McDonald, yeah. I, I really love him as well. I mean, he's a brilliant playwright, and as a filmmaker, he did some wonderful films. And um, and I think Lonegan did a masterpiece with uh, Manchester by the Sea. Uh, and again, the emotions are so profound and powerful. I think... Why do we go to see stories in theaters? I think it's mainly for many reasons, and we don't have to know why, but I think that to share profound emotions, deep emotion like that, I, I think it's, it's a reason to go and watch films in theaters. And I remember that uh, the way you use the music also, to reconnect with the memory of the character about the fact that his children uh, died in this fire yeah. is one of the most heartbreaking moments I have seen in uh, movies. Yeah, it, it goes deep emotionally, which um, is, is something it, it shares with your film, uh, I would say, is that I don't want to get too specific for people who have not seen it, but there, there's at least one scene in your film that, that goes so much deeper emotionally than, than I'm used to seeing in, in, in movies. Um, Thank, but this is the way I remember uh, that, how was a Manchester by the sea, as bringing us to a place where we are not comfortable with and where we are not used to go. You know, yeah. uh, the emotions are so profound and raw and painful at the same time. And strangely, we feel grateful in the end of the of the movie to have experienced that pain which yeah. is strange you know there is something cathartic and again this is one of the mystery of cinema is to to pay 
to cry or to experience pain and to feel grateful at the same time. And it's something very strange, I think, about yes. <laughs> the beauty and the mystery of movies. Yeah. And, and I think that's maybe because when you, you know, just to remember, thanks to a film, that we are not just individuals, but that we are part of something larger than ourselves and that we all have the same fears, emotions, difficulties, pains, is something uh, important. I mean, I think there is a consolation and a beautiful one and a real one just to remember or to feel that we are in the same boat in a way. Yeah. And I think movies are done for that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, absolutely. Because that's, that's um, I, my, my wife and I had a whole conversation after, after watching your film of like, why did we do that? And, and why, why is it okay? Why do I feel good at the same time as I feel bad? It's just, it's... Uh, um, but yeah, it is. It's about it's about a connection. It's about recognizing uh, that we're not alone, um, even in, even in the worst moments. Uh, Which but, is why we should get back to going to the movies. Yes. Yeah, you're right because we need stories to be told, and we were lucky to have those stories during the pandemic, uh, thanks to the streamers. But I feel personally that something is still missing. Yep. Is the idea to share physically something with people we do not know this is the the beautiful thing about going into a theater is to share a room to share a moment to share a space with people we do not know people that are strangers to us and suddenly we experience something emotionally with those people and we understand that they are not strangers anymore and i mean art is again is here to make you remember that uh, strangers is a word that means nothing. Uh, yeah, no, that's a great point. And, um, uh, and also it makes sense that you come from theater too, because that is, um, yeah, there's, there's, uh, well, I guess they're streaming theatrical productions now too, though, aren't they? So I guess you can watch theater alone at home, but it's not quite that's, the same. That's thing. how I saw Hamilton. Is okay. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, wow. But it's not the same. I mean, yeah. we can't no, it's not, it's not the same. It's a, it's a, it's a souvenir of an experience. Yeah, yeah. Joe and I have talked about it a bit because it is depressing to watch uh, theaters die during all this. But in the midst of all the kind of hand wringing, I I take some heart in the fact that uh, drive-ins have come back and people are actually kind of making their own drive-ins now. That that it's not just some company uh, anticipating a need. There's actually people out there going, "I have to see a movie with other people, even if I'm sitting in a car." And people are putting together makeshift drive-ins in parking lots and. You know, showing movies on the sides of buildings, and um, I, I think it's wonderful. I think it's uh, to me, it means that that experience is not going to go away because we, we yeah, need I feel it. the same. We need time to make sure that we are not wrong. Uh, yeah. in, in France, for example, we are hoping that uh, theaters will reopen in three weeks, something like that. Oh wow, really? Uh, it's not it's not done already, but uh, they are talking about maybe three weeks, maybe four weeks, and. A lot of people are anxious about the idea that are they really going to come again? Because, you know, it, it's cheaper and more comfortable to stay in your own house. Personally, I feel very confident that people will go and that people are dying to go. Yeah. And in a way, it's, uh, it was challenging for everyone, but I think it made 
us remember how important it is and how grant how it is not granted at the same time and that we have to to value that we are able to to go and share with other peoples yeah yeah absolutely um and uh, I, I i share your conviction um and uh, i look forward to getting back into theaters well florian thank you so much uh i i i predict that you will have a very long career uh in movies and theater. thank you and, and theater if you and want theater. but Yes. Uh, I think that I think you're uh, you're on your way. Very, very much so. Yes. Um, and thank you for the film and thank you for coming on the show. It's been uh, a real, a real pleasure. It was and, a real pleasure for me, too. Thank and, you so uh, much. Yes, well, I appreciate it. Be well. Good luck. And good luck. Good luck. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye. Take care. Our show was recorded from several well-stocked bunkers. We can't wait to get back to beautiful downtown Burbank. We're the official podcast of TrailersFromHell.com, the best damn movie website there is. Our engineer is the composer Don Barrett, who also transmogrified, produced, and created our theme song. This is Josh Olson for the Movies That Made Me. Stay safe out there, folks. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts.